Hello, everybody. You are tuned in to the Walk Off Podcast. As usual, it's Justin here, your host. I'm joined with Davis and Leroy. Uh, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Counting down the uh, the days to opening day. Yeah, doing good. It's getting closer and closer. We got another fun division to talk about. I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, so as uh, we hinted at last time, today is our NL Central division breakdown. So this is one um, I'm actually pretty excited about. There's some fun things to talk about here. So we're going to kick it off talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And before uh, I get Leroy started here, we're going to go over a few big losses uh, these Pirates had in the offseason. I'm sure every baseball fan was tuned in to them in this fire sale. First, they sent James Italian to the New York Yankees, um, a team that really needed better starting pitching alongside Garrett Cole. They went out and got a really good guy out of Pittsburgh there. They got a few prospect backs for that. But as we know, that that sometimes might not mean too much. Also losing uh, Joe Musgrove to the to the Padres, another good starting pitcher that they let go. It's going to be a big part of that monster rotation over there in um, San Diego, as well as the other big one to me is that losing Josh Bell to Washington. Really, you look at the one guy on that lineup that was a true major league player, a good all-star caliber player, and then he joined a... Um, more up-and-coming roster in Washington that had a good offseason themselves. So I want to go here first to you, Davis. Uh, what do you think about these Pirates and how they handled their offseason? Yeah, man, there's not too much to be said about what they're looking forward to this year. It feels a lot like when we were talking about the Rockies last year, it's it's just hard as a fan to get yourself excited for this year, right? You, you talk about a team that had the worst record in 2020. It has to get better from there, right? Well, it, probably not. <laughs> um the Musgrove and Tyone trades for me is the ones that were kind of tough. It feels sort of like throwing in the towel. Uh, you know, you, you're trading with the Yankees and Padres. It's kind of just sums up baseball. I know Leroy's got some thoughts. He's going to get to on that, but just kind of sums up where we're at and where the pirates are at. Um, I mean, talking about some bright spots, you know, Brian Reynolds, he'll be a bright spot for his sanity. Maybe he gets traded somewhere at the deadline or, you know, hopefully he has a good year. If not, uh, the key Brian Hayes is an exciting prospect. They like I'm trying to find some positives here. You know, there's the miners are back. Like I was talking about with the Rockies, that's going to be big for trying to build the farm system and everything. But you know, listen, I'm a fan of the 76ers. I know tanking. If you're a Pirates fan, you just gotta hope for the top draft picks. Hope they acquire more, more, more prospects. I I don't have too many positives to say about this year for them, but certainly they have some tools to build to the future. Um, four prospects in the top 100. So you know that's. Certainly some hope there in Pittsburgh, but it's going to take some time and uh, progression in the minors, I think, will be crucial this year for them. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to talk about the Pirates in a minute, but I, but I really want to just hit on the NL Central for a bit. Um, you know, that I was mentioned as we were talking earlier, if if there's really any team that's projected to be really bad and the, the Pirates are projected to be really bad, if there's any team that that could surprise I, I think the Pirates may be it. And and here's why. And it's not even based on their talent. It's based on the talent around them within the NL Central. The NL Central is really looking like it could be a be a pretty rough uh NFC East type uh, type division this year. If you look at what's left, so so as of February 1st, and I know there have been a couple moves since then, but as of February 1st, if you look at the wins above replacement combined. 2019 2020 leaving the nl central and this you know this includes your, your bowers uh etc um the wins above replacement leaving the nl central 44.2 
the wins above replacement coming into the NL Central 6.6. The NL Central is just bleeding talent. And uh, and it's funny because that 6.6 also includes the uh, 6.9 that uh, Arenado brings with him. So before before the Arenado trade, it was uh, 44.2 wins above replacement leaving the NL Central negative 0.3 coming in. So, uh, you know, the NL Central's bleeding talent. Most of it's going to the NL West. If you look at fan graphs and their projections, they're not always perfect, but they give you a good guideline. Uh, no team in the NL Central is projected to finish above 500. Um, and, and I'll talk about where the, where the teams are projected in, in a little bit. Um, and there's no team in the NL Central with a positive run differential. So, it, you know, if you're looking at a, at a team that maybe could surprise, the Pirates could be it just based on the weakness of their division. And as a Washington football team fan, I know how important that is, right? Because uh, we saw what happened in Washington. There, there was a team that that was – projected to be terrible you know they were seven and nine and and honestly they were probably a little worse than their record but they won a division because the division was awful maybe you know maybe that happens here i don't i don't know that it does <laughs> probably not but you never know but if there's one thing that the nl central has going for it this year maybe even above every division in baseball is they've got the nicest collection of uniforms if I'm being honest, they just have, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. They've got the the Cardinals and the Reds with those classic red and whites, the the Cubs with all the tradition, the red, white, and blue, the Pirates with the black, that black and yellow just really pops. <laughs> and, and of course the Brewers, man, if the Brewers throw on those, those throwback eighties with the MB uh, caps and the blue and, and yellow, there, there's not a better uniform in baseball. So that's one thing that the NL central has gone for but there's not much else so let's talk a little bit about the pirates you know unfortunately the pirates are victims of uh, baseball's broken financial structure i mean i've talked about it a, a ton of times and i won't even go deep too deep into it but but you know the the pirates have, have played for for a decade now have played minor leagues to bigger teams they grow stars they they just do they grow stars similar to what tampa does similar to what miami does they grow stars and then they ship them off somewhere else uh because of baseball's broken financial structure so um, you know, if there are things and Davis Davis touched on, if there are things to look forward to in Pittsburgh, it's that they are rebuilding. But you know, they're rebuilding off of a rebuild, a pretty unsuccessful rebuild. So you know, where's that going to go? I don't know. They're projected to win 64 games, which is, uh, you know, that's gonna that's gonna put them at the bottom of of, of the major leagues. Um, but a couple of bright spots here. Um, well, so if you, if you get a chance to take a look at the Fangraphs website, they have the projected wins above replacement of every team, pitching and batting. And, um, and then they, they have the total. And the, and the Pirates have the lowest projected wins above replacement in Major League Baseball uh, combined. And, and honestly, if they weren't in the NL Central, they would probably finish with the worst record in baseball. But because of their division, I don't know that they will. If, if there are a couple of things to look forward to in Pittsburgh, it is that, you know, they're minor leagues. They've already started the rebuild, right, um, by, by making some trades. Uh, Musgrove, um, their minor leagues is ranked 11th best, best um, and, and that's best in the NL Central. Um, 
Davis, you touched on Key Brian Hayes, and, and you, you said he was an exciting prospect. I think Key Brian Hayes is set to be a star. I really do. If you look at, um, if you look at him last year, he had 95 at-bats, hit five home runs, batted 376. It, obviously, you know, very small sample size, but, but even Fangraphs is bullish on him. They, um, you know, they have him projected to hit, you know, uh, 20, 25 home runs, uh, bat 270. Actually, yeah, even more, 27 home runs, bat, bat 270. He's looking like he could be a star in this league. Um, the, the Pirates' biggest issue is their, is their rotation. They don't have a single person in their rotation projected to hit above or to uh, to have a an ERA above 484. <laughs> Mitch Keller is their number two. You know, Mitch Keller that that household name. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Pirates are looking at a rough year. They're plus five thousand to win the division. So if we're looking at uh, at gambling, not that we condone that. If you have a problem, one eight hundred gambling. However, if that's something you're looking at, there is some value there. The, the division is going to be close. The teams aren't going to be very good. They're plus 5,000. You throw 100 bucks down, you come out with 5,000 in October, maybe. Um, but yeah, the, the future is, is the deal for the Pirates. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to look like a uh, really rough year for the Pirates fans. Maybe, maybe betting on them might, might help a little bit or might make it a little worse. But there definitely is a few things to look forward to. Again, like there's other uh, bottom teams in the NL West we talked about. I mean, you bring over Tyler Anderson, he's not going to be a great pitcher. He will be serviceable for you, though. When you when you just lost two good arms, obviously this guy isn't going to come in and be uh, another Joe Muskers and James Centalian, but he's going to be an arm that can go on the mound, and he's someone that can eat up a lot of pitches, so we'll see how that goes. With Brian Hayes, I mean, that dude is just going to simply be a beast. I want to say that before we move on i mean like davis said the fourth fourth prospects in the uh top 100 you have him at number seven in the top 10 he's shown he can already be a beast um you just hope for the sake of pirates fans you know this is a guy that's a beast in their cool uniform for a while but as we know we know how baseball goes you might have the dodger blue on him within six years from now but anyway, we're going to have to jump over here. We're going to jump to uh, Cincinnati. We're going to talk about the Reds here. First off, I just want to say whether they had Trevor Bauer or not last year, I thought was a big surprise, even for a 60 game season. Um, they pushed their way into the wild card round of the extended playoffs last season. Um, with Trevor Bauer on that mound in that one game, he was electric, kind of summed up what the Reds were all year. Uh, you're only going to score a couple runs against them, but they're not going to score more than a couple runs against you, you know? And I think uh, looking at their lineup right here and some ways that they didn't pick up too much on both sides of the game, you know, I don't see them improving too much. If anything, maybe going back a little bit uh, with what they lost. Obviously we know they lost Trevor Bauer and the ginormous free agent deal went to um, the Dodgers. But along with that, I mean, they also lose Archie Bradley's good bullpen arm. Obviously, for a team now where you're lacking better starters as opposed to the year before, you want to lean on your bullpen a little bit. We know they lost Freddie Galvis, serviceable shortstop. He came over to Baltimore. But with that, they also pick up a few bullpen arms. But it'll be interesting to see what happens this year also with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, who were both names that were uh, kind of on that trade block in this offseason, too. So this is one of those fence teams, I like to call them. You, you really don't know which way they're about to go, if they're going to sell out 
start over if they're going to make that push halfway through. So I think the Reds are a really interesting team in this interesting division. So I go to you, Lee, where I want to know what you think about uh, the Red Machine. Yeah, you know what? I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, Justin. Um, just as a uh, as a as a preface, anything and everything I say here will be dependent upon them keeping Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray through the offseason. Um, you know, losing Bauer was huge, obviously, but that, you know, they're still going to have a nice pitching staff. If you look at their, at least their top three starters, Castillo, Sonny Gray, um, Tyler Mall, um, if he, if he takes another step, and then they've got Wade Miley, you know, potentially positioned as their fourth starter. Wade Miley doesn't, doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, bring up happies for me, but, but, you know, he's got potential there. Um, the, the question for the Reds is going to be, can their bats complement their pitching and and honestly i just i don't know if they can um their, their bats are looking rough you know i was looking at their projected uh their projected batting order and you know who slots in at number three mr joey vado and let me tell you joey vado is lo- I, i've loved watching him over the years i think he's an all-time great red uh he's certainly in the reds hall of fame and potentially in the major league baseball hall of fame but he is just not what he once was I mean, he batted 226 last year, um, which is just something else. And the Reds are on the hook for him for a while. He's got three more years at 25 million per year that they've got to pay him. But it's not even just the at the plate where Joey Votto is really struggling. You know, according to uh, Baseball Info System, Information Systems, he was the worst fielding first baseman last year, and one of the slowest runners in all of baseball age is just really caught up with Joey Votto. And if they're really looking at sliding him into the, into the third spot, I mean, what does that tell you about, about their bats? Um, uh, Nick, Nick Castellanos, uh, which, you know, they thought, Hey, you know, we're bringing in, in a stud to, to, to compliment Votto. He had his worst season since 2015. So, the, you know, can he bounce back? I don't know. I don't know if he can, you know, something interesting I found about the Reds too. They just, their stamina isn't there or it wasn't last year. Uh, Last year, they didn't win a single game when they trailed after seven innings. Didn't win a single game if they trailed after seven innings. So that that speaks to their bullpen. It speaks to the stamina of the team. Um, You know, like, like you said, Justin, the Reds are in kind of a gray area. Um, and, and they're not, you know, they're not rebuilding, but they're not going for it either. Uh, I don't know where they are. Um, if I had to, to, to choose, and I don't know if we're going to do this at the end, but I, I'd pick them to finish in fourth, just above the pirates, maybe fifth if the pirates can pull through. But, um, but yeah, they're, 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 they're a great team. And I think uh, the time has come. Uh, it's crazy that I'm saying this because they made the playoffs last year, but, um, but <sighs> They're just, you know, that they could have benefited Trevor Bauer and and benefited from, uh, you know, from from playing a shortened season. I th- I think the Reds are going to have to make a decision after this year of what they're going to do. Are they going to they're going to rebuild or are they going to they're going to stack the team and try to go for it and and maybe stacking the team in the, in an NL Central that uh, that's a little weak right now. Maybe that's the thing to do. I don't know, but uh, yeah, the Reds are kind of gray area. I I don't see them ve- being very good. I I see the NL Central being a three team race and and with the Reds on the outside looking in. Yeah, the Reds are an interesting case. You know, 2020 was a weird year for them. You know, sneaking in the playoffs only to lose. It was the expanded playoffs. Uh, you know, it's a, you guys said a lot of nice things about the Reds. I just, I don't have much, honestly, it, it's, 
I don't like to put too much value on a player, but you can't take away how big Trevor Bauer was for that run. Um, it's just, you know, I don't want to put it all in one player, but that was good pitching staff, but God, the hitting last year was just God awful. And it really worries me. And there's people that are still high on them and I get that, but without Bauer, I'm just not buying it because they had lowest team batting average in major league baseball, seventh worst on base percentage scored the fourth fewest runs and they relied way too heavily on the long ball. And this is a team that made the playoffs, you know, and it's hard to kind of imagine how those numbers make the playoffs. I get that it was expanded, but still, and I'm not going to dog them too bad because 2020 was a weird season. We talked about how numbers were inflated. You know, you start on a, on a slump and it's, it's a six game season. So you don't have time to fully recover. There's, there's good hitters on that lineup. Um, you know, obvious talent like Moustakis, Castellanos, and even even an aging Joey Votto, I still think is good for that lineup. Or, you know, if he gets dealt to a contender, I don't think he's going to leave Cincinnati after all these years, but he's still very serviceable. And it is a really strong pitching team for one of those fringe playoff teams. I, I love Sonny Gray from the Oakland days, of course. And, you know, they got some good studs, but I think the Bauer loss is going to be huge for them. I think that was kind of big, big push for their playoffs last year. And when you know when your DH Jesse Winker leads the team in average at 255 last season, that's, that's just not good, man. That's that's tough. It's tough to have faith moving forward after you lose your best player. And they did bring in more pitching, and I like that. And I just don't think they brought in any significant batters to really help them. And I know the division is terrible, so I'm not gonna say they can't make a run, but it's just really hard for me to see them making a run. I think they win about 70 games, fourth place finish, but that's with about, you know, 10, 15 wins coming against the pirates probably. So I think they're going to be a good 10 games out of the playoffs. Um, I, I just don't see it with the reds this year. Yeah. It's certainly going to be interesting to them. Um, the reds are going to be one of the team when you're watching all year, you're watching to see if uh, some of these players are still going to be in their uniform. You know, they're going to be a popular team, but not necessarily for what's going on in the field and maybe a little more uh, off the field. Like we mentioned with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, it, that's going to be, I think come July, that's going to be one of the big, uh, two of the biggest names are being thrown out there, especially Luis Castillo, the way he was so close to getting, you know, snagged up by the, by the Yankees before they end up, you know, pulling the plug on that one. But that's going to be the huge uh, factor in the direction of this team. You know, like we said, we're playing 162 games a year. Again, the 60 game thing was a very big thing when Trevor Bauer could go out and I believe they won like, well, it was like 90% of the games that he had started in. When you consider that's nine to 11 starts, that's a big difference in 60 compared to your 162, you know? So even with Trevor Bauer, I don't know if, you know, they were able to do what they did last year come this year, but especially without him, I mean, it's undeniable. That is a big hole. Whether he's a career four ERA pitcher or not, part of the reason his career ERA is at a 390 and not a four is because he went in through what it was like a 120 last year so you're definitely losing a big piece there but in a division like this really anything can happen and i mean like you said davis they're playing the pirates a lot you know it's kind of like as a ravens fan you think of how the Bengals are you're like sweet okay two wins there we know let's you know count from there so that's going to be be an interesting team to watch definitely one that's going to fall under the radar which i kind of think they do anyway but then next, we're going to move over to uh, the Brewers, another real like low-key team. I just feel you don't hear enough about for a team with a lineup they had last year. The way they hit the ball was just absolutely horrendous. Um, 
definitely a decently good pitching team, but uh, they're not going, you know, too far even in this division without their lineup picking up what they were able to do in, you know, back in 2018 when they were really that offense all the way to that uh, National League Championship Series. So here at the Brewers, he got a couple good additions. His first one I thought was odd was one of my favorite second baseman, Colton Wong, coming in free agency from the Cardinals. Now, the odd thing with this is maybe part of it is you want to sign him because he was, you know, in your division before, but they're sitting there with Heston Greer at second base already. So I'm not sure, you know, the concept of that move. It's not like you're bringing in Colton Wong to hit you 35 home runs. You know, you're bringing him in there to strike out a good bit, get on base a decent bit, but that's really really you know about it but i want to go to you first here davis i want to think or i want to see what you think about this team yeah yeah i mean i've been i feel bad talking down on the reds and pirates you know as, as orioles fans i feel like not entitled to talk about other teams poorly because we don't have much to say you know but the brewers are a team I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about and when i say excited i mean you know this is a team that could be good enough to win this division and has some pieces that could maybe make a playoff push i don't think it's too far off um, you know, they made the postseason for the third straight season, despite a losing record, obviously expanded playoffs benefited that, um, I was giving it to the Reds for their inept offense. I'm going to sound a little, you know, it's going to contradict me a little bit here because the Brewers were, they were right behind the Reds in almost every category and sometimes worse, but, uh, you know, I think they're a major sleeper in this division. I'm still going to probably give my winner. It's going to be the Cardinals, which we're going to talk about, but I think the long signing was pretty good. I think it was a good move. I think he's a gold glover. Um, and his batting has trended up as his career progresses, but you bring him in for the defense and he's an experienced guy, something about stealing a division opponents, one of their better players. I just kind of like that. I don't know. I think it's, it's just going to be a fun, it's gonna be fun to watch the Brewers and Cardinals go at each other. And I like their rotation too. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. That's a solid one too. And Adrian Hauser was pretty bad last year. So he's a work in progress because he's got pretty high ceiling and Lindblom is a nice, uh, veteran back uh back end starter so you know i think it comes down to this team being a fringe wild card team but certainly above average especially with this division you're going to play the pirates a bunch you can play the reds a bunch and then it's going to come down to yelich he's a deciding factor on whether or not they can step up um 2020 was horrendous as we know but well you know if he gets back into form it could be different and i think you know a prime yelich with colton wong avisel garcia good pitching staff. I think it's a team that could make a run. Um, you know, I think they're just over 500. I think they take about 80 to 85 games. And, you know, if it's enough to edge the Cardinals, maybe, maybe not. But again, it's going to be some big divisional games that could decide that late in the year. I have nothing to say because Davis just said it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I agree with, with just about everything that Davis said there. I, the Brewers are my, are my surprise team in the NL Central this year. Um, I, I actually think they're going to win the division um, for, for several reasons. And, and it, you know, like everything, right? It depends on what happens. But, you know, a couple of things. Brandon Woodruff is a potential ace. I mean, he has made improvements. If you, if you just look at his stats, he's made improvements and adjustments every year. Um, last year, he used a changeup as his number two pitch um, the majority of the time, whereas the year before it was a slider. So he's just, you know, it's, it's just something that he's, he's just 
you know, it just seems like, I don't know him, but it seems like he's constantly studying and figuring out how to get better. And he's made improvements every year. I think this year may be the year he takes the step to become someone that, uh, that major league baseball views as an ACE. Um, and, and Corbin Burns has that potential too. Right. So their one, two punch has the potential to really be dominant, uh, this year. Um, Yelich had a down year last year, but if you look at his peripherals, um, some of those advanced stats, there's really nothing to explain it except for luck. He just, he just had a bad luck year in a short year. So, um, you got to think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be someone that's going to improve. And then let's take a look at their bullpen. The, the Brewers bullpen is going to be the, in my opinion, is going to be the best in the NL central. Not only do they have Josh Hader, who we, sh- we know very well, right? He's already dominant let's talk about Devin Williams last year Devin Williams year last year was absolutely insane he pitched 27 innings had an ERA of 0.33 unbelievable and struck out 17.67 per nine innings hard to duplicate but even if he has a year that's half as good he's going to be absolutely dominant so once you get into the seventh and eighth inning it's curtains if, if you're playing the Brewers. It really is. Um, and then, of course, we talked uh, already about uh, Keston Hira. I think he's a star in the making. Along with, you know, Key Brian Hayes, Keston Hira, if we're looking five years ahead, these guys may be the, uh, the stars of the NL Central. Um, he's, so, so Keston Hira has had uh, 594 major league at bats. So basically the equivalent of one season, right? As a young as a young kid, he's hit 32 home runs, 12 stolen bases with a 266 batting average. If you look at his projections for the upcoming year, um, the the uh, average projections are around 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases. He's going to be an absolute star. The Brewers have some young pieces, so so if everything comes together, and Brandon Woodruff turns into the ace, uh, Yelich bounces back. And there's nothing to suggest that those things won't happen. And Hira, Hira turns into the, to the star that he looks like he's going to be, along with Devin Williams continuing his dominance. The Brewers, not only could they win this division, they could, they could run away with it. They could absolutely run away with it. Um, so, you know, the Brewers, t- to the chagrin of Justin, I'm sure, and my brother-in-law, who's a huge Cardinals fan, he's going he's gonna to hate listening to this. I think the Brewers win this division. And, and honestly, it may not even be close. It may not even be close. I want to say something. I'm, I'm looking at the Brewers' uh... – you know, lineup and look at their projected lineup for 2021 from fan graphs is if you guys listen to this podcast, you know, we all here, we love fan graphs. It, that thing tells us everything. But when you, they, that lineup truly is complete all the way from the top to bottom in a way that it's, it's not going to uh, be like, Oh my Lord, like, look at that line. That's going to put up, you know, five, six runs a game and they're going to blow by you. But it's definitely a lineup where they have their pieces around the whole diamond and, and every little piece that a baseball team needs to uh, thrive. Well, and ironically, I'll say this with Lorenzo Kane back, back in center field and guy can be 45 years old. He's still going to be running a four five forty. He's going to, you know, make the, make those plays out there. It is a lineup that in a way does remind me of those um, early 2010 Royal teams. When you look at it, 
decent starting rotation, enough arms in there that are going to get you a good amount of innings and win you some ball games, especially when they can turn that over to the bullpen, you know, with Josh Hader and Devin Williams, obviously it's going to be a good bullpen. And if, uh, you know, you're a team facing the Brewers a lot and you got to get down to this sixth, seventh, eighth inning and you're seeing these bullpen arms and then you're throwing to guys like Heston Rhea, who is going to be a first base alongside uh, Colton Wong at, at second. And then you have Christian Yelich. You know, it's definitely um, definitely a little uh, tough in there to, you know, say to go out there in 162 games and just be as complete fundamentally as as this team here. You know, Justin, one one thing that's that's a little bit underrated here. You mentioned Colton Wong earlier. Um, it's not just that the Brewers added Colton Wong; it's that they 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 took him from the Cardinals. And and you mentioned that, or actually Davis mentioned that. And that's that's huge. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit with the Cardinals too when we get into them. But um, you know, Colton Wong brings with him over a full course uh, full course of 162 games. You know, a two two WAR, a two two wins above replacement. Um, that's two wins in a division that is projected. If you look at the, the fan graphs, the Brewers are projected to go 80 and 82. The Cardinals are projected to go 80 and 82. Those two wins are huge. And not only are you just adding them to the Brewers, you're taking them from the Cardinals. And I know they replaced them with Arenado, but the Brewers uh, um, are, are replacing no production there for the most part. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, I think the Wong, the Wong uh, signing is going to be bigger than people think. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think the Brewers are going to surprise some folks this year and they've got nice uniforms. I do have to say, I uh, really like their uniforms. If you guys saw the, uh, their shoes or the cleats that um, Christian Yelich had the other day, he put on his Instagram of the Milwaukee skyline. Those, those that was pretty cool. Yeah, they looked like a nice pair of uh, LeBrons or something, you know. Yeah. Some of you don't really see in the MOB, so I always like Christian Yelich for that. But we are we are going to uh, move on here. We're actually going to give it over to our buddy Jared. He's going to kick it away with his seventh inning stretch. All right, guys, good show so far. We got three teams down in the NL Central. We got two more to go. It uh, looks like it, we're all thinking it's going to be a tight race for that division winner. Uh, but we have to start off the stretch like we always do with our weekly trivia question. Uh, and I think our boys are going to like this one this week. It's a little more current. We have Leroy and Justin still tied at two, uh, with Davis not too far behind at one, so maybe he can catch up with answering this question. All right, here we go. Who was the first player to cap a three-homer game with a walk-off grand slam? And here's a hint for you guys. The player currently plays in the NL Central and did it against the Washington Nationals in 2012 think about it current player hit it back in 2012 walk off slam three homer game and now central what do we got no it's not someone on the pirates so i don't know the pirates were pretty good back in 2012 had mccutcheon had uh, pedro alvarez oh you're saying he played in the nl central then and he's st- I'll give you this hint. He still okay. plays in there now. Uh, is he on the same team? <laughs> I will I'm not go that Joey far. Votto. Okay. All right. I'm okay. going Joey, Joey Votto. going with Votto. Okay. Justin Davis, who do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's the only player I could think that was good enough to do that back then. That's still here. So I, I got to I gotta go with Votto as well. Justin, you're in a little bit of a pickle because you don't pick Votto and they are right. 
yeah. Davis Davis yeah. ties with you and Leroy gets ahead of both of you. So I just I think it, you should go with somebody on the Pirates. <laughs> what is up with the Pirates and you in guys? Twenty twelve. Tony Larusa did it. Go ahead, Justin. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I I'm gonna say Ryan Braun. Okay, that's actually a good answer. Um, it's a good one, but it's also a wrong answer. Uh, I'm oh. I'm sorry, Justin. The that's correct right. answer was Joey Vado. Leroy looked at his phone. No. I saw him. <laughs> The answer was Joey Votto. He yeah, with Reds all these years. Of course, yeah. he was that prime hitter back in 2012. He did that on May 13th, 2012 against the Washington Nationals. Can you imagine that? Three home run game with a walk-off grand slam. You know who else did that? Manny. Manny Machado. I was in yes. Yeah, he beat the he beat the Nationals. I, I knew I liked Joey Votto for a reason. Yeah, there you go. So we have a score change. Leroy is now the current lead holder with three. Davis has tied it up with Justin for second place. Good stuff here, Justin. I feel bad for you, but you can come back next week. That's why when you started the question in my head, I'm like Manny, Manny, Manny. Then you I said know. I know Central, and I'm like, mm, not All Manny. Right. All right, guys, that was the trivia question, but we got to get to the stretch, so let's do it. Here is your seventh inning stretch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the seventh inning stretch. All right, guys, of course, we're going to keep this in the NL Central for the stretch this week. The Reds announced Thursday that they've signed outfielder Tyler Naquin to a minor league deal and invited him to Major League Spring Training. The Excel Sports client and former first-round pick has spent his entire career to date with the Indians. The 29-year-old hit the IL early in 2020 uh, due to a broken big toe in his right foot, and he returned in mid-August and scuffled through one of the worst stretches of his career at the plate batting just 218 with four homers and a bloated 28.4% strikeout rate in 141 trips to the dish. And according to Rob Beard Temple of The Athletic, the Pirates, here we go, Pirates, might not be done making moves this spring. As names like Richard Rodriguez is the, quote, Pirates reliever most likely to be traded this spring, end quote. Since signing with the Pirates prior to the 2018 season, Rodriguez has posted a very strong 3.02 ERA and an above average 28% strikeout rate and 7% uh, walk rate over 158 relief innings. And Rodriguez, he turns 31 in March, but he is still controllable through the 2023 season via arbitration and is set to earn a modest $1.7 million this season. So the Pirates might not be done shipping away some of their talent. Andy, we're going to the Cardinals now, the, the favorite, to say the least, by most in the NL Central. Matt Carpenter, you know, we, what, what are we going to do with Matt Carpenter? We have Arenado at third and Goldschmidt at first, no DH. So what is Matt Carpenter going to do? Well, he will not be spending time in the outfield this season, according to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Since the outfield is a non-starter for Carpenter and NL teams obviously won't have a designated hitter spot, this leaves either a second base platoon with Tommy Edmond or bench duty for the 35-year-old Carpenter. The three-time All-Star has seen a steep decline at the plate over the past two seasons, and 2021 looms this Carpenter's final year in St. Louis. The Cardinals have an $18.5 million club option for 2022, but that seems almost sure to be bought out unless Carpenter has some sort of major rebound uh, in his career. But guys, that'll do it for this week's seventh inning stretch. Don't forget the Pirates. They are underrated according to almost all of us here on the walk-off. Back to you, Justin. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for that uh, 
NL Central exclusive stretch there. I like that. But here we're going to move on to uh, the last two teams here in the the NL Central. We're going to start here at uh, Chicago. We're going to talk about the Cubs. It's another really, really interesting um, team in the position they're in. It's kind of a position we don't really see too often. You know, we watch them kind of dominate the NL along with the Dodgers in the first part of the 2010s. You know, watch them finally get that World Series victory after 108 years. And now they're kind of just in this, like uh, Leroy said earlier, just this gray area. You're really not sure which direction they're going to go. And uh, my Lord, really in either direction this team can go. They're one of the teams that I think they, they're built to do either. You know, if they want to go and uh, exercise the options of shipping away Chris Bryan, I mean, you're going to get a good haul for that. You look at Javi Baez, you can keep them all on the lineup. You still have a lineup that's full of Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryan. You had Ian Happ really kind of came into his own last season um, in center field. Obviously, we know is very important defensive position. But as we know, baseball is majority of pitching and the Cubs gave up a, a big guy in you Darvish to the San Diego Padres in the offseason. As we know, that was one of the bigger, bigger deals there. They did get a starting pitcher back. I mean, they got Zach Davies back in that deal. Um, I think it's safe to say at this point, you like you Darvish, especially what he did last year over Zach Davies. But that that is not a Pittsburgh Pirates, I'm sorry to use that term, but a Pittsburgh Pirates level trade. You know, they're they're getting major league. Uh, talent out of that. They also signed Jock Peterson off a of free agency this year. They also signed Brandon Workman, um, outfielder Jake Marisnik also, who's actually slated to start on their bench. So if you're, you know, you have an outfielder like Jake Marisnik on your bench, I think your team's in a little better position than um, some of these analysts like to make the Cubs look. You know, I think they've kind of had an off look. You, they were a playoff team last year, whether they got swept by the Marlins or not. You know, they, they were still a playoff team. And granted, that was also a team that had other players like Kyle Schwarber, who is now in Washington. And you had Jeremy Jeffries, who was great out of the bullpen. You know, so definitely going to be an interesting year for Cubs fans. I think in a way it's going to be tough because you're not fully sold on losing with, with this Cubs team. Definitely the kind of team that's going to ride your heart out to a good 75 wins, in my opinion. But as we know, maybe not in this division, but 75 wins isn't really going to get get the job done so and now it's spot for the cubs leo i want to know what you think about uh the boys over in chicago yeah I th you know i think you hit the nail on the head there when you said a, a gray area similar they're, they're very similar to the reds they're in this gray area where you know the, the the cubs tried to they won the world series right for the first time in eight trillion years since the dinosaurs roamed the earth and then they tried to they tried to stretch that run with those players um probably for too long and now they sit here in 2021 um, in just kind of this gray area, like, where are they? Um, their issue is kind of a, kind of opposite of the Reds, where the Reds, you know, they have some strong pitching and, and we're wondering what's going to happen uh, with, their, with their offense. You know, the Cubs are, are kind of the opposite. They've got, they've got some talented hitters, even though they've lost Swarber. Um, you know, if you think, just, just listen to the names, Rizzo, Bryant, now Jock Peterson, Contreras, Hayward. I mean, they've they've got the, uh, you know, they've got the bats uh, to to make some noise offensively. Um, even though a lot of those guys had down seasons last year, but their pitching, oof, their pitching really looks bad. Um, you know, if you look at fan graphs, their um, 
the projected wins above replacement total for pitching staffs. They, you know, they ranked them and uh, the Cubs uh, projected wins above relate uh, above replacement for their pitching staff was 11.3. Only two teams were worse, the Rockies and the Orioles. Oh, that hurts either way. Um, if you look at their pitching staff, Hendricks, um, you know, he's got the potential to, to be good, to be their ACE, even if he's not an ACE, but after that, it goes downhill. They've got Arietta and Davies and, and Arietta is really, um, I, you know, he seems, uh, Arietta really seems to be done. Um, since 2015, his ERA has has uh, increased every year. Since uh, 2014, he in 2014 he had a, a strikeout per nine rate of 9.59. He was striking out 9.59 hitters every nine innings. Last year that was down to six and a half. Um, Arietta seems to be done. Davies is projected to have a four, six, three ERA, uh, and, and Mills who could be their fourth or fifth starter, uh, is projected to have a 4.97. Um, it, it, their pitching really looks bad. And, uh, honestly, I, you know, I think if I'm, if I'm the Cubs, I'm, I'm throwing everything in and kind of starting over, getting rid of some of those big name bats and, 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 uh, stacking up the minor leagues and, and you know the cubs they've got money so the cubs have got some, they, so the cubs have got some money so um you know they they are the type of team that can rebuild and do it quickly um you know um unlike some of our our smaller market teams so um yeah the cubs are in that gray area i'm, I'm thinking they're going to finish third um, just in front of the Reds, but behind the Cardinals. But uh, just because of the talent they do have at the plate. But uh, yeah, hey, they may be sellers come come the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. The Cubs are just uh, it's time to make a decision for them. Decision time for the Cubs. Yeah, Leroy. I sh- I think you know you hit it right on there with. I think it's going to be. We're really discussing where their future is going to go. Is it time to blow it up now, or do we want to wait it out? And I think that's the big thing. You know, I think they're probably the hardest team to predict in this division, maybe in all of baseball, too. And we discussed, you know, way I think it was December about Theo Epstein's resignation. Jed Hoyer is now baseball uh, president of operations. I think that's going to have a big impact on the future of the Cubs, especially looking at guys like Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, you know, with free agency coming up arbitration. I think it's going to be big when you look at what they're going to do this this season uh, to build for the future. And, you know, you guys kind of discuss some of the positives. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just not very high on the Cubs. I, you know, I think what it is in our playoff preview, I was so high on the Cubs, especially with Darvish. And they really hung me out to dry with that, that Marlins series. So I, I think that's some where some of the resentment's coming from. But uh, no, I mean, I think, I think the Cubs, you know, if you see them start, I think they're going to have a mediocre, if not below average start to the season, which will lead to blowing it up at the deadline. And you look at the pitching they lost between Chatwood, Lester, Quintana, Darvish, Zach Davies is a nice return, but that's a significant drop-off. And Jock Peterson's a guy I've, I've liked for a long time with the Dodgers. I think it's a great signing, but I just think they're at a major crossroads with a new GM. You have to think he'd like to build his own team, you know, and you're set up with a lot of aging players that are shells of what they used to be, you know. It's it's hard to say that he wouldn't want to move forward. Um, and, you know, my prediction, I think, I think it's going to be – they're going to be sellers. I think – I think they're really built to, like you said, they have the money to build quickly. I think they'd be wise to deal these guys for prospects, deal on teams that want to win right now. If it's, this is all hypothetical, if they're 
don't happen to play really well at the beginning of the year because they haven't made these moves yet, obviously. So I think that's kind of the angle they're going at. Um, they've got some prospects, uh, I think three in the top 100, but they're, you know, all like 60 or higher. So it's not, it's not bad, but not great. And that's what leads me to believe Hoyer is going to make some moves uh, if things start to slip. So, you know, I think the, I think the Cardinals are going to be the, you know, that dominant team next to the Brewers. I think the Cubs kind of just slide out there in, in the third place, like you said, Leroy. And I think just with the lack of pitching, I think 70 to 75 wins, but that's still going to be well behind where I think the Brewers and Cardinals would be. So I don't think the playoffs is going to be uh, in reach for them this year, unfortunately. Yeah, they're just in a really odd spot. It, and a big part of that, I do believe, is being in the division they play in because, I mean, a team like this that is on the fence is always going to have a much better chance, you know, get to the winning side of that fence and see if you throw this team in the AL East with teams like what the Blue Jays are right now and the Yankees and, and all that. It's a completely different story. But, um, Davis, that's a really good point about, you know, how they're going to come out and start the season. Because let's look back at the Orioles back in 2018 real quick. And I'm not saying this to compare the Orioles from that year to the Cubs right now because obviously – 2017, the Orioles weren't coming off a playoff year like these Cubs are right now. Right, but we had a lot of aging pieces like that. It is similar. I see what you're saying. Right, and you see a lot of those aging pieces were able to um, represent in terms of the team when in July the record was just absolutely horrendous. And that was a getting ready, you know, the new ownership hadn't come in yet, but we knew that that was on its way there. Um, So we saw the trades of players like, Zach Britton and Manny Machado and Kevin Gosman and all that. And when you look at the Cubs, they're kind of in that position because if they want to rebuild with the money, like Leroy said, they can do it quick. And in a division like the NL Central, there's no team that's coming up right now that's going to run it for years, you know? So they can get this rebuild and they can keep their few players that they want to build around. Whereas I know if you're going to go out and get rid of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, he's going to be, you know, your guy. You're, you're going to pay him because I know he's coming up within the next couple of years in that situation, it's definitely a team that you don't have to be like, okay, let's go to 50 wins for the next six years, you know, which unfortunately for a lot of rebuilding teams, that is the situation. I think for a team like the Cubs and what they have to offer, I think it's a smart move to, um, you know, kind of hit the fire sale this year. Then there would be a lot of teams that would give up a lot for a player like Chris Bryant. You can really put him wherever you want in the field, wherever you need him, or a shortstop like Javi Baez or, Anthony, could you imagine Anthony Rizzo playing first base on a good AL team in a small stadium? You know, they definitely have the potential to um, get some returns there. And it'll be interesting to see how the new management handles that compared to Epstein, who we knew was no less than a guru when it came to that kind of stuff. As we're looking at this lineup right now was, you know, put together by him and a lot of situations like that. So Cubs, another really odd situation. I, can't see them being anything better than third in this division, um, especially if they go and hit that fire. So I think you do see like that halfway through the season, you kind of throw the talent like we saw here in Baltimore in 2018. But that's going to still it's going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, they still have the players there to watch it for their their fans. Cub fans are lucky because even a bad Cubs team is still better than, you know, a, a lot of teams. But Finally, the moment I've been waiting for since I woke up this morning. We're going to move on here. We're going to talk about uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, my my NL team here. I was hoping my Yachty jersey, cream colored, was going to come in by today, but we can't have nice things. 
Um, we're going to go with the obvious here. I mean, additions, they just got Nolan Arenado. I want to say a big thing with that Arenado trade we've talked about already. They were given $50 million to take one of the best third basemen in baseball. Now, what the Cardinals did with that $50 million was they sat down with Nolan Arenado. We said, we like your contract. Here's $15 million and you're going to keep you for an extra year, you know, which is very, uh, very smart move, I think on their part you look at the losses side obviously you lose a defensive just mastermind Colton Wong at second base because of that their infield's kind of shifting around a little bit especially to fit Nolan Arenado in there I mean you also lose Dexter Fowler I mean other than the Colton Wong you know I don't really think they lost too much and in a division like this where they did win it last year I think that's a big big piece you know because they're kind of going back in with a little more or less the team that they had last year which obviously showed success they won a playoff series they beat arguably the most exciting team last year in the Padres and they beat them in a couple very exciting games so you know they also brought back Yadi Molina on a nine million dollar one-year deal um, I want to say they set them down they said we're giving you a million dollars for every gold glove you have so I think it's fantastic but beyond that that's a move where they say hey we want your mind we want you behind that plate obviously isn't going to be 162 games like he used to be able to do but I think that was a smart move as well keeping him in that dugout which I mean we all know what he can do obviously you know you give your team the chance to uh hold on to him there but Leroy I'll get this over if I want to go to you first I want to hear what you think about uh the Redbirds you know Justin likes to call Yadier Molina the goat because <clears throat> he no matter, is I, I think as a society as a country as a nation, we need to relook at what we term goat, because goat means greatest of all time, right? And and when you call Yadier Molina the goat, Johnny Bench would like to have a word with you. So would Mike Piazza. So would Yogi Berra, the greatest of all time. So let's just get that goat word out of our vernacular. Unless you're talking about Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. That's it. That's all I got. Those are the goats. Anyway, um, Yadier Molina, you know, he's great. You got to bring him back. He's one, you know, one of the best catchers in the game. We, we understand that. But let's not forget that his on-base uh, plus uh, slugging, his OPS has decreased every single year since 2016. He's on the down. So he's on the downside of his career. I'm, I'm sorry to say that to you, Justin, but he's on, he's on the downside of his career. Um, so those are interesting to me. If hypothetically the Cardinals would have signed Nolan Arenado and kept Colton Wong. They would have been the clear favorites in the NL central clear favorites, but they lost Wong and they lost him to the Brewers. And I think that's huge. Let, let, let's take a look at something really quick last year, because I'm going to, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on Nolan Arenado last year, Colton Wong's numbers, 265 batting average, 350 on base percentage, 326 uh, slugging for a 676 OPS. That's to go with 26 runs scored and one home run. Okay. That's, that's Colton Wong's last year. Let's talk about Nolan Arenado's last year playing in Coors Field. But let's, let's take a look at what he did on the road because he's now on the road, right? He's not at Coors Field anymore. And we know that's going to have an effect. Away from Coors Field last year, Arenado batted 225 with a 302 batting average and a 333 slugging with one home run 
and 10 runs scored. Okay. So we're taking them out of Coors Field. We're popping them into, uh, into Bush Stadium, which is one of the hardest uh, places to hit for for uh, for hitters so so i think this the loss of wong and the addition of arenado is going to be not a wash because i do like the signing of arenado in general because of what they gave up which is practically nothing because they forced the uh, rockies to pay for him which is absolutely insane but it's kind of a, on the field in 2021 it's a little more than a wash not not completely but a little more than a wash so so let's look at the card. Here's where I think the Cardinals' weakness is going to come in, and that's their pitching. Uh, Kim Kwang Young is projected to be their number two starter. Uh, he's fresh over from the KBO. He had a 5.54 ERA last year. Uh, small sample size, I understand, but um, but you know it's looking like maybe his KBO numbers don't translate. Their number two guy, Wayne, or two or three, depending on how they how they how they work things, uh, is Adam Wainwright. Um, so he pitched to a 3.15 ERA last year, which is great. But but look at his previous four years: 4.19 in 2019, a 4.47 in 2018, a 5.11 in 2017, and a 4.25 in 2016. I think the Cardinals are going to have trouble with their pitching. Um, the, their bats are are serviceable, but I think they're going to have trouble with their pitching. If we look at what their projections are as far as um, as uh, fan graphs are concerned, this is how crazy close this is. So the Brewers are projected to score 4.58 runs per game. The Cardinals are projected to score 4.56. The Brewers are projected to surrender 4.63 runs per game. The Cardinals are projected to surrender 4.63 runs per game. It's going to be super close. I just like the studs that the uh, that the Brewers have at the top of the rotation and Jack Flaherty uh at the top of their rotation is great but after that it just goes way downhill and i just don't think they have the uh i don't think they have the arms to keep up with the brewers yeah you know justin you were talking about the uh 2018 orioles i wanted to circle back i know we're kicking them while we're down but i forgot to get my pirates record prediction you know the 2018 orioles went 47 and 115 so i'm gonna put the pirates at uh 48 and 114 right and we put them right there so but uh, you know onto the cardinals i think what is this a fun team to talk about? Cause the, the ceiling is really high with them. Uh, it's gotta be the biggest signing of the off season, perhaps next to Bauer or, you know, right above, right below, whatever you want to say. But I mean, we all know it here, but for those that don't Nolan Arenado is the real deal. This dude has been buried in Colorado and is going to be amongst the MVP candidates this season for the Cardinals. I think he's going to get some major spotlight that he deserves. Uh, assuming the Cardinals have a pretty decent year. He's going to be, one time zone over to be, you know, not as many late games in Colorado. Nobody's air in Colorado games nationally. So I think it's going to be really good for him. I think he's going to just, I think he's going to flourish and he has to be relieved too. You know, I mean, he's got to, he's out of a, a pretty bad team and he's on a team that could compete. I think he's going to thrive. I think he's going to play well because of that. Um, and, you know, com coming full circle here when I was talking about the uh, Reds, Arenado did have a bad, not a bad 2020, but it was a career low for him. Uh, 253 average that would have been two points off of the best hitter on the Reds. so i think in this division i think he's going to do really well um and i think he's the truth i think it's the splash in the offseason that the reds uh, are not known to do they're kind of a quiet team that sneaks up on people but uh, i think it's going to be big you know the i do think the colton wong loss is huge I, he was a big 
part of that team. He's a defensive stud um, for Cardinals for years. Um, I like Tommy Edmond. He's a quality young infielder. I think is going to replace Swung. He'll he will need to step up a bit. Um, and then I think re-signing uh, Colton's uh, uh, Justin's boy uh, Yachty is going to be pretty big. You know, he's an anchor to that team. The numbers aren't going to be great, but he's kind of one of those veteran guys you need. It kind of reminds me of David Ross and the Cubs a bit. You know, just anchor of the team. And it's huge for the pitching staff because I think that pitching staff is weak, but I think having a guy like Yachty behind the plate boost their numbers or, you know, morale and everything is going to be much better. So, um, you know, pair him up with Goldschmidt. He's getting older, but having uh, Arenado in the lineup will help him scoring runs. Um, and I think, you know, Wayne right back, he's not showing signs of slowing down. Uh, Jordan Hicks is a name I've been hearing. He's coming off of elbow surgery. He hasn't played in two years, but he's uh, been impressing in the spring. So it could be a good name, likely a starter could come out of the pen. And then Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson are two guys that I think are going to need to continue to get better, but they're good pitchers, good starters that will help the Cardinals in a division that, you know, like I've been talking about the Reds and Pirates, the hitting's not great. So I think they're, there's no reason their numbers shouldn't be good. And I do like their bullpen. Um, Genesis Cabrera was a guy that stood out to me last year. A young, I think he's 23. He went four and one uh, ERA under three. So if he can continue in a full season, perhaps he could be a, you know, closer or really good reliever. I think ultimately it's the Cardinals division to lose, you know, Arenado's the real deal. Uh, I'm excited to see him thrive on a new team. I know he just needed a new start out of Colorado and I hope he has an MVP season. Uh, God knows he deserves it. So uh, I think they're right there with the Brewers though. I, I think, you know, Cardinals and Brewers are going to step up a, against the Cubs. I think 80 to 85 wins, but I do think the Cardinals are going to edge the Brewers by two or three games. And like I said, talking about the Brewers, I mean, it could come down to the last week of the season or maybe in the last game, but I think it'll be close. I think the Cardinals do have the edge. You know, it's interesting, Davis, when we talked last time, uh, you know, we talked about the, the Padres and the Dodgers kind of going head to head and and we've done the same thing here. The, the, the difference I think is in this division is that the loser probably goes home. Whereas in the right. NL West, the loser, there's a good chance the loser is going to make the, uh, make the, all make the, uh, the playoffs as a wild card. But when you look at the other divisions in the national league, when you got the Mets out there and the Braves, um, it's going to be tough. So, so they're going to kind of have to, uh, kind of have to win this division, either team to, to make right. the playoffs. And, you know, with the, the Dodgers and Padres, you're talking like 100, 105, 110 wins each. You know, we're talking like 80 wins here, 85 wins. So I think it's, you know, like you said, I think, that might, you know, the Brewers might not make the playoffs because they're a game or two shy of the Cardinals or vice versa. It will probably come down to that. It's definitely going to be interesting seeing uh, those two teams down the stretch because I, I truly believe, and we saw this the last couple of years, um, really the last two years, the Cardinals are a team with this lineup. Where if they can get hot, it's definitely a team that can make a statement in, you know, late September and come October when you're playing in a division like this uh, with the Brewers where, like, we went over there projected to be basically exactly even um i think a lineup like this that can get hot and win games for you is going to be big when you look at people like tommy Edmond and paul de young and now nolan arenado like you have nolan arenado like that that's real you know um i think if they can get hot and they can ride on the backs of a uh, jack flaherty and if hun kim can kind of step up and be that good number two to jack flaherty that will be a dangerous team when you're looking at needing to win a game or two to take that division. And then you head into a five game series. Um, 
you know, if you can go out in a five-game series and win three games behind Jack Flaherty, Kim, and Adam Wainwright, I think this offensive lineup, you know, behind him definitely has, you know, the uh, potential to win some games. But it's all going to matter. Like you said, Davis is a really good point. It really is their division to lose. Um, and especially coming in with the new faces like Arenado, I think it's going to be a big statement how they come out and start the season. Um, how they come out and see how Nolan works. They play a lot of games within their division, uh, like most teams do. But, you know, they play a lot of team games within their division to start the season. When you're looking at two teams like the Brewers and Cardinals who are looking to be so even that's going to you can go back at the end of the season and look at you know those first couple weeks and see how um how that plays out and that's going to be a big part into the cardinals but i do believe they're going to end up winning this division i do think they're going to sit there around 85 wins with the brewers really not far at all behind them um definitely a potential to see a game 163 this year with these two teams here like you said leroy that's an odd situation where one team's going to go on and one's going to go home um, oddly enough. So final predictions here. I'm going to have to go with, uh, the bottom, you know, we're going to have to say the Pittsburgh pirates. Unfortunately, I, you know, we've talked enough about that. I just can't see them hitting anywhere over about 58 wins. And I know that sounds bad, but we know how that feels. Um, I mean, second in there, that's this is where it gets tough. Cause I think the rest of the, the division is kind of even in, in itself, but I'm going to have to go. I'd, I'd have to say the Reds, you know, I think the Cubs have a little too much potential to be anything less than third. Both of them are probably not many more than about 70 wins with the little separation between the two. And then I'm saying, so I'll take, I'm giving the Cardinals the division with two games most over the Brewers. I think we're going to see a really exciting last couple of the weeks for uh, these two teams and definitely this division. But I think my boy Yachty is going to going to hold that one out because he knows what to do when it matters. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to disagree, although I do think the Pirates are going to win the World Series. I think Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, and uh, Andy Van Slyke in the outfield is just too much for the rest. Wait a minute. Uh, I'm stuck in the 80s. Sorry, guys. Let me let me come let me come back to 2021 yeah the pirates are going to finish last unfortunately um and and could be the worst team in baseball it, um the uh, i would predict the reds to be just above them and the cubs to be just above them i think it's a two-team race um between the cardinals and the brewers with that being said um an an injury here a uh, slumping superstar there a um a a you know, a emerging superstar here could really shake things up between those four teams. But I think the Cardinals finish in second, just out of the playoffs. And I think the Brewers win the division. Honestly, I think they might win 90 games. I think they might win, win 90 games. I think they've got a, a budding superstar in Hira. Uh, I think Devin Williams and, um, and, Josh Hader are absolutely dominant, and we know as Orioles fans uh, what what a uh, what a good bullpen bullpen does for you. And I think their their one two punch of Woodruff and Burns could be too much. I think they might win ninety games. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm 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 pretty high on the Brewers too. Um, I'll go bottom to top though. I mean, I think Pirates are going to be right next to the Rockies, probably two worst teams in baseball. If they got to fifty wins, uh, that would be impressive. I think the Reds are going to do a lot uh, worse than people think. I think they're going to be pretty far down there too. They're going to be out in the playoffs early. I think the Cubs, you know, like I said, I think they're going to start off decent and then maybe even under par and, you know, blow it up. And I think it's going to, it's, it's, you know, Brewers and Cardinals. It's tough. I mean, I, I want to take the Brewers. I got every reason to, but 
with the Cardinals. I think it's, you know, I think Nolan and my hot take will be Nolan will be a national league MVP. I think he's Arenado is just the real deal. And I think bringing him over has just been, a, it's just going to be a huge move for them. And the Cardinals are one of those teams. You just don't see them coming. And then all of a sudden they're in the world series. And I think I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but you know, I think they're going to have a good year. So I think they edge out the Brewers by a few games and we'll see what happens in the postseason after that. All right. Well, there you have it. We have a, Hot takes all day with Davis and Leroy. We're, uh, we're getting ready to close it out here. I've got a funny day in baseball history for you today. This is a recent one, actually, from 2010. A Kansas man who sat six rows behind the third base dugout in a Royals stadium filed a lawsuit against the Royals for being hit in the eye with a hot dog that was thrown by their mascot. <laughs> so it's guess it's easy to say he was keeping his eye on that game. That's for... That's for sure. But uh, that's it for this episode. This is our NL Central breakdown. Next time, we're going to uh, jump over to the NL East, another real exciting division. So we're excited about that one. Uh, But for now, it is time to walk it off.